Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is May 5th. Today we are going to begin the book of Leviticus. And we don't have a lot of time in Leviticus for the entire book. We just have three days to study it. And the Come Follow Me program has given us three chapters to study. But I wanted to come to better understand the book of Leviticus and why it is an important book of scripture. First of all, the name Leviticus means that it was to the Levites. This book was written by Moses, and they don't exactly know when Moses wrote it. We're not sure where this book falls in the history of the children of Israel, but we do know that it was written by Moses for the Levites. Oftentimes, the book of Leviticus is called the priesthood manual for the children of Israel, because the Levites had a right to the Aaronic priesthood, and the book of Leviticus really does read like a handbook. It's going to instruct the Levite priests on how to officiate in the priesthood for the behalf of the children of Israel, how they're going to work in the tabernacle and the things that they're going to do within their priesthood. However, calling it a handbook or a priesthood manual I think doesn't do it the justice that it deserves. We say something is a handbook or a manual and automatically we check out a little bit, right? There are some personalities that get really excited about reading a handbook, but I'm not one of them. And so when we call it that, sometimes we check out and we aren't super interested in reading it. However, the book of Leviticus offers us some incredible insight into Jesus Christ and into his atonement. As we study this book, we can deepen our faith and our appreciation of Jesus Christ and his atonement and what it really meant that he took upon himself our sins. It's actually interesting because the word atonement appears more in the book of Leviticus than it does in any other book of scripture. If that doesn't pique our interest to learn more about Jesus Christ through this book, I don't know what can. So as you study the book of Leviticus, again, I invite you, look for Christ, look for the atonement, look for what God is trying to teach us about vicarious sacrifice. Because here in the tabernacle, it's all about vicarious sacrifice. Remember when they walked into that outer part of the tabernacle, the very first thing that they're going to see is the altar. And that altar is going to teach them about vicarious sacrifice, how the animal that they bring to the altar will work as a sacrifice vicariously for them. But it's also going to teach us through symbolism about how the Savior is a vicarious sacrifice for us. So keep that in mind. Keep looking for the Savior. Look for the symbolism. And we can be richly blessed with an understanding of the atonement as we study the book of Leviticus. Now, speaking of sacrifices, we're going to start out in Leviticus chapter 1, and the first several chapters of Leviticus are going to teach us about different offerings that are made there in the tabernacle. They're going to teach us about different things that can be offered and different types of offerings. Specifically, we're going to learn about sin offering, burnt offering, and peace offerings or thanks offerings. So let's jump into Leviticus chapter 1, verse 3. There's so much that we can see and learn from this verse. It's interesting, verses 3 and 4 is so rich, we could probably study it for days, but let's jump in. Verse 3 says, If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. 
he shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And he shall put his hands upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make an atonement for him. Okay, so first of all, let's just jump straight to the symbolism. The people are bringing forth a burnt sacrifice of the herd, but it's not enough just to be any offering of the herd. It has to be a male without blemish. Here we see a symbol of the Savior, God's Son, who was his only son, who lived without sin, who really, truly was his only child without blemish. And so it was necessary that the offering that they're bringing for this burnt sacrifice was a male without blemish to give us the symbol of Jesus Christ and to act as a type and a shadow for the children of Israel of the Savior who is going to come. Now, something that's interesting and important to understand about a burnt sacrifice is that it's very different from a sin or transgression sacrifice and even a peace offering. Now, they're all offered on the altar. They're all offered using fire, but there's a big difference between a sin or transgression offering and a burnt offering. The main difference is with a sin or transgression offering, the animal is cooked and then that meat goes to the priest and to the temple workers. However, with a burnt offering, it has to be completely consumed by fire. There's nothing left for the priests to eat or for anyone else to consume. That fire has to consume completely the animal. And notice it says that it has to be offered of a voluntary will. Now, there are two really neat symbols that we can see here. And that's something that I love about symbolism is there's not necessarily one answer or one symbol. There can be multiple within the same thing. And there are two really neat symbols that we have here with this complete consumption in a burnt offering. The first is, since the burnt offerings are completely consumed and it has to be done by voluntary will, we can learn that our own will has to be completely consumed by God's will. One of my all-time favorite quotes is by Elder Holland from a talk called Created for Greater Things. In it, he says, We must be willing to place all that we have, not just our possessions, they may be the easiest things of all to give up, but also our ambition and pride and stubbornness and vanity. We must place it all on the altar of God, kneel there in silent submission and willingly walk away. Notice here in verse 3, it says that our offering has to be of our voluntary will. And here in this quote by Elder Holland, he talks about our will twice. We have to be willing to place everything, all that we have, all that we are, on the altar of God. Our ambition, our pride, our stubbornness, our vanity, all of it on that altar. And then we have to be prepared to willingly walk away. Our will can be consumed in God's will if we have faith to place those things on the altar of God. And if we have faith to walk away, we have to be willing to allow God's will to consume ours. But now the second symbol that we can see here is that the animal being consumed on their behalf teaches us that the atonement can consume the natural man and can leave us whole 
and can leave us new. Again, remember that quote by Elder Maxwell that we quoted earlier? He said, real personal sacrifice was never placing an animal upon the altar. Instead, it is a willingness to put the animal in us upon the altar and letting it be consumed. My friends, that is what the atonement of Jesus Christ can do for us. It can consume the natural man and the natural woman, but we have to be willing to let him do that for us. Notice part of this burnt offering is placing the hand on the head of the animal being consumed and allowing that animal to take the sin and the transgression and allowing ourselves to accept the atonement that's being made for us. My friends, it's my testimony that the Savior didn't just wash away our sins, but that he literally took them from us to give us the opportunity to be consumed by his atonement and to make us new. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.